Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm your host, James McDermott, and my guest joining me today is another Albany CrossFit Barbell Club team member. Today, Haley Hahn is joining me on the show. Haley is an up-and-coming weightlifter. She's joined the club. She's been a member for not even a full year yet, I think, maybe, and she's made all kinds of progress. I've mentioned her name on the show quite a bit. I even bestowed some accolades to her on being the fastest in the gym when it comes to doing the jerk, which uh, I was just talking to Miguel about that. There is controversy behind my claims, and I have to figure out a way to figure out who the true fastest is on some of these lifts. But Haley, how are you doing? I'm doing great. What, what, what did you think when I announced to everybody that you are the fastest? I was uh, kind of shocked because uh, normally my, I don't think my jerks are the best lift. Um, they're definitely much weaker than my clean. Um, and I've, sh- I've only just figured out how to do them semi-correctly. So I was, I was pretty surprised when you, when you announced that. Well, you know, when, when you do click with the technique, it's, it's super fast. Like I feel like you have the ability when you do gain the strength on it and also the confidence. I think there's some confidence we need to gain on that as well, that it's going to be, you blink and you miss it because there are some where you connect with it when you do the dip just right and you spring out, you've got a, you know, you're, you just have those, the sprinter legs, you Mm -hmm. know, to be able to do that split so quickly. And I think sometimes it might even be the speed that kind of throws off the whole jerk. You're just there already and you're not ready for it. So maybe it's more of like a rhythm and timing thing we need to dial yeah. in too. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I'd like to see some film uh, comparing. I know you were talking about using some sort of app to, to see, compare uh, who's going to be the fastest. So I'm yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> a, there's all kinds of like debate right now on like, okay, if we do have film, which we, we obviously will, what will be the percentage on the bar that's lifted for everyone um, across? Like, 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 what are we basing this off of? Is it an empty bar? Is it when everyone has 75% or 80 or 85% on the bar? Is it a PR? You know, so that's kind of like what I got to figure out. And then I need to keep diving deeper on the software. I haven't been able to find software that kind of measures the body. I've found mm-hmm. software so far that measures what the bar is doing, but I'm not uh, sure if that will that will do what I want. Because what, what the claim that I'm making is more of like a objective claim, right? I'm just saying this person is faster because that's what I see and what I perceive as fast. Yeah, so I don't know. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Someday we will figure it out. So how has it been uh, getting back into weightlifting? I mean, we had some time off with the quarantine and many people may not know this, but you were lifting on a balcony during the yep. quarantine. Like your <laughs> apartment building has a big balcony and you were doing snatches and clean jerks out there. And I, I've never been more nervous watching a Zoom, you know, <laughs> of someone doing the weights before. Yeah, I'm on the fourth floor. Um, if I throw the bar over the over the uh, edge, it just, it lands in a courtyard. Hopefully it doesn't hit somebody. But luckily, I think I lifted out there for five weeks or so. Um, and I didn't have any issues. I didn't even... I think I dropped the bar maybe like twice. I didn't really push my limits too much um, to avoid uh, making too much noise kind of, or like shaking the building too much. Um, But it was, it's like a four and a half foot deep, maybe five foot deep balcony. And I just set myself up right in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. That's part of what made me so nervous. I'm like, how in the world is Haley going to bail 
Like if you get to the bottom of a snatch and it spits you out the back, you're going right into that concrete wall. And yep. who knows where the bar is going to go. Or if you decide to chase it forward, well, you have one step that you can make yep. to chase it forward. I didn't, I, <laughs> I didn't miss that many lifts because I was so nervous about like whether I was going to drop it or not. I think one of the like ones that I actually like straight up dropped was on a zoom. And I was like, Oh, I've never done that before. I've never just like straight up dropped a lift. Normally if I like have to bail, I try to catch it so that it doesn't slam onto the balcony. Um, but it definitely gave me a good uh, awareness for uh, how I'm going to miss a lift. If, if I do like how to prepare for it. Cause I obviously ca I can't try to catch it forward. I have to drop it and I can't throw it behind me cause it'll just ricochet off the wall. And that would be pretty dangerous. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. We were all put in, you know, new, different, maybe sometimes even more difficult circumstances because of the whole COVID thing. But it's, it's like, what, what can you look back on during that and see how it made you better? You know, and mm -hmm. obviously I, I think lifting on a balcony, you know, that's four foot deep and not being able to miss or being careful about how you're bailing or at least thinking about it that definitely made you better as a lifter in some way. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I don't know if I've seen direct translation yet. I know uh, when I first got back in the gym, I was afraid to drop the bar because I had been so long since I just straight up dropped the bar. Yeah, so. you weren't the only one. Like there's, there were a lot of people who are uh, like Brandon, when he came back, I'm like, you can drop it. Like, and he's like, but it's so weird. It's so weird dropping it now. <laughs> yep, yep. It, 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 it's taken a bit. I'm still a little nervous on like some of the lighter weights on the bar I still like place it down but now I'm getting better at just dropping it from like from the top of the snatch or something like that yeah the, the more comfortable we get and now we're back in the barbell club room so you've yep. got your spot back yep which is yep. right at the front of the room I love how everyone has their official spot and now official spots are marked out that's yep. just a, another benefit I guess of of the whole of COVID is we have assigned stations where it's you have a clear border and boundary and now mm -hmm. someone is literally stepping over the line into your spot. Yeah. <laughs> you can guard it. Yeah. That's, that's one, one of the things I yeah. love about you guys as a group is how territorial everyone is. <laughs> their spots. What, it doesn't have to be. I'm not, I, I'm okay with giving up my spot, but it's been solidified as my spot. So it, it that's just how it is now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I love the move when, but before we got into the barbell club space, we were in the big CrossFit space and mm -hmm. there were 10 spots and you came back at a time where Miguel had gone on vacation and you took his spot and I'm Shaf and other people said, Oh, that's, that's Miguel's spot. And you're like, well, he ain't here today. And, <laughs> and you kept taking that spot. And when Miguel came back from vacation, you had solidified that it was your spot now. And that was, I just thought that was great that, that you guys just, just battle over these spaces and claim a spot on the, on the floor. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cutthroat out there. Gotta, gotta claim your spot early. Gotta get there early so that you have it. If I yeah, got there yeah. and Miguel took it. I would have been like, Oh, Oh, well. So, so you but, wouldn't have moved his bag and other things no. and just moved in. <laughs> no, no? So no, I would have just moved next to him. Okay. It's not that hardcore about the spots. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. no, well, it, it's kind of funny. You know, I'll, 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 I'll not, I'm not going to throw him under the bus or anything, but Miguel has kind of said that you are his new unofficial rival. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he's lifting a lot heavier than me. 
Well, yeah, he's lifting a lot heavier, but you know, like that's the nice thing about the barbell club is everyone feeds off of one another. And I think yeah. you came into the barbell club and started making progress so fast that everyone took notice and they're like, I got, I got to keep working harder. I got to make sure yeah. I'm staying ahead here because Haley's catching up. All right. I like it. A little competition. I have noticed uh, Miguel's been next to me in the last, like, I don't know how many, maybe like three or four um, barbell club sessions that we've done. And the last two uh, imams that we've done, we seem to set up and go at the same time. And it's been throwing me off, like out of the corner of my eye. I keep like having to like time myself so that Miguel goes first or I go like immediately so that it doesn't like throw me off that we go at the same time. And I kind of yelled at him, but <laughs> well, hey, yeah. Sometimes you got to yell at the people left or right of you if they're if they're messing with your rhythm. But that's funny yeah. that 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 you're aware of it, that you recognize it. That hey, he's he's going right now, and I want to be going now. So you either tell him, hey, I'm going first, or <laughs> or you just wait a little bit. Yeah, I mean the the one on Friday, the imam on Friday, we were going at the same time, and it wouldn't be an issue. But for some reason, he's always like slightly in front of me, so he's in my peripheral. Um, and I just like started either going a little bit faster, like speeding up my timing or, uh, if I wanted to wait, like actually wait until he goes completely. Um, so it's, I mean, it's thrown off my rhythm a little bit, but that's, I mean, I'm fine with that. I'd rather be a little more uncomfortable in those kind of situations, um, to get used to that. Instead yeah. Of I mean, it, it's good competition training too. getting uncomfortable in your regular training because when you go to a meet, you know, you've done one meet so far. And as you progress to get to bigger and bigger meets, you're going to have to share a bar with someone or, yep. or a warm up platform. You're not going to be able to go when you want to go. You're going to have to adjust your timing to everyone else in the room. And, and yep. now there's rules where if you do a warm up lift, you have to clean the bar before the next person goes. So it's oh. like, yeah, I don't even know how that's going to like, we haven't <laughs> experienced that yet as a team. Um, uh, I imagine what we're going to have to do is have like a little pit crew where like, yeah. okay, Haley's lifting and Miguel and Schaff aren't lifting. Well, you guys are loading the bar and you're cleaning it after every single lift. You know, that's kind of yeah. what I'm envisioning. Yeah. If you have somebody loading the bar, it's, yeah, they're going to be, you're going to have to make them responsible for cleaning it as well. I think we just established uh Schaff and Miguel's job at the next yep. meet when, when the <laughs> ladies are going. So uh, when they listen to this, that's when they'll know. I'm not going to tell them in advance when they listen to this episode. <laughs> that's when the news will be broken to them. Awesome. Well, it's going to be vice versa. We're going to have to w do it for them when they're lifting. Exactly. Because we're a team. And you know, yep. it's, it, it's great to see everyone kind of gel together and become a team. W would you say that what we have in the Barbell Club with our little weightlifting team is different than what you've experienced in the past uh, in other sports? Um, I'd say it's different from like a team sport. So I've played basketball and softball. I played for, I played basketball until I was a sophomore in high school and then softball until I was in eighth grade. And those are, those are like very integral. You have to kind of know the other person and how they play and, and what their uh, instincts are kind of, um, because you have to work together to like win essentially. But uh, weightlifting is, I'd say it's similar to track where it's an individual event, but you're a team. So you have, to, you like, you feed off each other's energy. You're rooting for each other while they're competing. Um, in track, there's, there's like some relays. So there's a little bit of, um, working together there, but 
energy-wise and kind of support-wise, I'd say it's it's very similar to track. And I like that. I I mean, I stuck with track through college, so that was probably one of my favorite sports. I like the individuality of it, but also I like to have that support from team um, at the same time. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a cool aspect of the sport of weightlifting, uh, that similarity that it shares like that with, with track, where it's such an individual sport, but you do have that support system and everyone is going through the exact same thing. You know, mm-hmm. during, a, during a 10 minute EMOM, you know how Miguel feels, you know how Schaff and Bree feel, you know, it's just all mm-hmm. that shared pain. Uh, do you find that in the group training, it, it pushes you to new heights on a workout like that, just knowing that everyone else is doing the same thing versus maybe oh, yeah. like on the track, um, maybe people are just doing different things or just, I'm not sure if it's the same level of intensity. It's, I'd say it's actually the same because a lot of the times for track, you're, um, if you're a sprinter, you're going to be doing the same workout together. So you're going to be doing like your hundreds or two hundreds, one fifties, whatever um, interval workout, if you're doing, you're going to be running it together. So if somebody is going faster than you, typically you're going to try to push yourself to keep up. Or if they're like kind of on the same level of you in like uh, times in in races, then you're going to want to try to beat them. Like there's a little bit of friendly competition there. And I'd say it's the same thing in, in the weight room. Like um, I know there's been a couple of times where Diana's gone up and I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going up too. And same thing, like Shaf will do that all the time. If somebody goes up, it's like, all right, Shaf, you got to go up too. It pushes you to be, um, to be better. And that's something that you can't, it's, it was so hard to do during quarantine, like to try to push yourself to, to go higher, to, to do more reps, to finish the workout. Like it's, it's, it's mental. I think it's a, it's a huge mental aspect, but I think it's, it's a really good um, environment. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I feel like we have a great environment. You know, I was just talking about this topic with, with Miguel. I feel like the, the team we have right now is the most solid of the team we've ever had in terms of camaraderie, but also competitiveness and it's Mm -hmm. just like it's just a a, such a perfect blend that you you couldn't do it on purpose I feel it just happens so organically and even like like when you joined you were kind of coming into it and we were already gelling like that but you kind of seamlessly fell into it and you have Chuck in the back you know who's cracking jokes all the time and harassing people you got Mm -hmm. Schaff in the middle of the room you know making all this noise snatching and everyone's yelling at him to keep going. And, and then as people start to get to know you, they, they, they realize, okay, well we can push Haley too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like we've had some people who've joined the club and I feel like it, it's almost like a filtering system too. Like it just didn't work out with those people where they couldn't gel into the environment that is our barbell club. Yeah. And there's people like that in track where they just don't, they don't do well with, that kind of pushing they'd rather like stay in their own head and push themselves um they don't like the, the attention kind of to be on them but yeah i do I, I really like the way that everybody pushes each other we all like joke around but at the same time as soon as you're going up for the bar it's like all right you got to get this like otherwise uh like shaf went up and made it and if i don't make this then <laughs> it's it's kind of like a a weird thing but yeah yeah and and now maybe he's got some bragging rights yeah, and, yep. and he might talk a little trash or something like that. Or he yeah. might just be supportive and be like, oh, no, you got that. You know, like, go for it again. Yep. I feel like it's it's camaraderie, competitiveness, and also caring. I feel like yep. everyone in the room generally cares that 
what everyone else is doing. That's why, you know, you've got Bree on the other side of the room yelling at everybody, you know, to, to, to go and do it again, you know, like maybe Schaff, you know, half does a lift, you know, or he does a deadlift instead of doing a snatch or something. <laughs> and then everyone gets on him. Everyone generally cares. Mm-hmm. So that's just a great thing about you guys. Yeah, I still remember one of the first imams we did. Uh, Bree said she took a little too much pre-workout beforehand, and she was she ran around the room after every single lift and gave everybody a high five. <laughs> she hasn't done that since, but I still remember that. Yeah, that was that was pre pre-COVID. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, uh, imams and whatnot. I think I remember that. I, I think uh, it's great when she brings Louie too. You know, we have a, oh, yeah. a dog yeah. in the room. It's so we have such a, a great dynamic. We have masters athletes. We have all you guys who are senior athletes. We have youth athletes in the room. We've got dogs. The one thing we're missing is like a club baby in the room somewhere, <laughs> you know, in like a, like a little playpen or something, but we've pretty much got it all. It's very family mm-hmm. style. Uh, and it's just fun to see how it's kind of developed. Yep. I agree. When, when you first joined well, one, how, how did you find us? How, Cause you don't do CrossFit. You only do barbell club. So what, what, made you seek out Albany CrossFit Barbell Club? How'd you find us? And what was that first session like coming into the environment that is our team? Um, well, first of all, I've, I want, I've been kind of into weightlifting um, for probably like three and a half years now. And I say into, I mean, I, I started following weightlifters on Instagram. And I, actually, I think it started from uh, a video that Maddie Rogers posted that went viral. I don't know if you know the one where she dropped a barbell and it went through a glass, a, like glass window right in front of her. Yep. I remember but, that one. Yep. I, that went viral. And I started like watching a bunch of her videos and I was like, Oh, I want to follow this girl. She's super strong. Um, and then I sort of started following a bunch of different weightlifters. And then I started just getting really interested in the sport. And then I started watching world championships and I was like, all right, this is a super cool sport. And I already had a little bit of it from track with um, some hand cleans. We did those for like power and speed. Um, and I really liked those when we did them. Um, so eventually it, there was, it was probably like two and a half, three years. And I was like, all right, I just need to do it. I need to pull the trigger and join a gym. So then I went to the USA weightlifting website and I found affiliated gyms and yours was one of them. So I emailed shy asking about if I could do like a drop in session um, and like pricing and stuff. And then I just ended up doing it. And actually my first day, my first session, you weren't there. I think you were on vacation. Um, so I'm always on vacation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I forget who the coach was. Um, but I remember. Might've been Will. Maybe. Maybe I, I, can't, I can't remember. Um, but I remember being very intimidated because like I, I could do cleans, um, but I, I had never even attempted a snatch and I'd never, attempted a jerk before so the first thing we did were snatches and I had no mobility so I could barely get down into a squat I had weak shoulders um the only thing I had ever done with my shoulders obviously I ran track so I mean I never really need to do much with my arms except for pump them um (laughs) (laughs) the only other thing I'd done with my shoulders was rock climbing and I hadn't done that in years um so it was just very intimidating but I also I I recognized that atmosphere that everybody was like very positive, very like willing to help. And I I did, I enjoyed that. So I decided to give it at least like a few weeks chance. And by the end of that few weeks, I started, I already started noticing improvements and I started bonding with, with, with a couple of the people in the barbell club. So it, 
it just was very positive and I, I enjoyed it from the start, essentially. That, that's something that, you know, I, I always like to see when, when new people come in, I feel like they make new friends so quickly in the barber <laughs> club, you know, like, like Brie is definitely the friend driver, you know, yeah. she's, I, I would give her the, the, the award of friendliest in the barbell club. <laughs> you're going to know her, you're going to be friends and, and she's very talkative and, and yep. welcoming. She likes, to, she likes to talk. She likes to find out what everybody's doing. She, she's just, she's very happy and very positive and, and very chatty. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's good energy to have in the room. So yep. those, that, that first time you came in, it was intimidating, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, there's probably a CrossFit workout going on across the, the hallway. All, music is blaring. It's definitely a, a different environment. Had you been in like a, a, a barbell or CrossFit type of gym like that before? Um, no, I don't think so. I think mm, the only time I would have been would have been my, my stepbrother owned a gym for a while, but I don't think I ever went to his. So I'm going to say no. Okay, so that's definitely a, a new experience. Yep. One that easily could have gone the other way. You're like, oh, I don't know, this isn't for me, but, but you, you really want to learn these skills. And I remember, you know, when I came back, you know, teaching you how to snatch for the first time. And we were working on snatches and flexibility and some overhead squats and things like that. And it, it's never easy to have someone jump into the group when we're already on like a, a, a course of a program, you know, because mm-hmm. the new person is going to need to take things back a little bit, do a different lift and learn it, especially if it's someone who's never done snatch and clean jerk before. That's always a challenge. Uh, how did it feel being kind of the odd person out where you're coming in and you have a different assignment from everyone else in the group? Uh, that doesn't really bother me that much. I think that I've been in enough situations um, in other sports where I've done something different that it, it's fine. I don't mind it as long as it's not like, constant if i'm not if basically if it becomes a a situation where i'm no longer in that team environment then then that starts to get um a little like it starts to bother me a little bit but it was only like a few weeks maybe that i was just like working more on snatch technique which i was fine i'd rather learn it correctly the first time instead of like learning it wrong injuring myself and having to like take a break for a while yeah and and you caught on really really quickly you know, we were snatching from the floor in no time and then increasing the weights. And the, the nice thing is the program kind of lended itself towards learning because we're always doing hips, knees and floor or some sort of a complex where, okay, we're going to do a snatch from the hip, but then we're going to do overhead squats. Well, now everyone gets to benefit on that on either gaining strength or for you learning how to do that and gaining the flexibility. Uh, what, what, what was, was there anything daunting about snatching for the first time? Because this is something that you probably hadn't done prior, right? Yeah, I think the most daunting thing was just getting all the way down into a squat with the bar overhead because I had I I mean I still have like a little struggle struggle with ankle mobility, but when I first started I had almost none. I could <laughs> barely move my ankles. Um I couldn't even like sit in a full squat without my heels coming off the floor. So the idea of of getting it overhead and and being a squat was just like i'm i just felt like i was gonna fall like i was either gonna fall backwards or forwards either way but and i kind of want to say did you you may not have had shoes at that point too right i just had running shoes 
it took, I think it took like right before the first meet was when I got um, shoes. So it was probably like two months, maybe a month and a half. So, so you join the club and then within two, two months, we're doing a weightlifting meet and we have shoes and we're fully integrated into the team. Yep. Um, what, what were your thoughts kind of going into this first competition? Cause you've been following the sport. Now you're seeing Maddie Rogers and others do these competitions. You're watching the worlds. Now, next thing you know, you're ordering shoes in a singlet off of Amazon and you're about to do this now. Yeah, that was terrifying. I mean, I was, I don't get nervous before competitions. I've been doing competitions for like my whole life and I was terrified and I was jittery and I, we, it was like a weird situation because I hadn't really slept that much. And then I took pre-workout and then I was just like bouncing off the walls, but also nervous. It was, it was wild, but it was really cool also at the same time, because I had been watching meets and like watching all these like pro lifters and elite lifters, uh, go through competitions and see what they do. And now I get to do it myself. I'm like, so now I get to actually experience what it's like to be in the warm up room, warming up while other people are lifting and, and the timing of it and the mentality of it. It was, it was very cool. Yeah. Terrifying. It's, um, yeah, t- definitely terrifying for the first time, but that's, it's, it's a beautiful part about the sport is anyone can do it. You know, I've been to meets where there are five-year-olds out there lifting their bar or their PVC pipe at a meet and they get judged. And I've been to meets where there are people in their eighties doing it. And it's like, everyone's just kind of going at their own pace at their own level based off of their goals and their training at the moment. And it's just a, that's just a wonderful thing about the sport. I don't know very many sports that can kind of claim that other than maybe powerlifting or something else. I've actually seen track meets where I actually participated in track meet where uh, they had a youth division. Um, my people, my age, and then people in their eighties, like every, everywhere in between. It was super cool. Um, that was the only time I ever did a, a track meet at post um, college but that was like really interesting to see people like triple jumpers. There was a guy who was like 85 doing triple jump. It was, it's, it was, always, <laughs> it's always motivating to see those masters level athletes doing stuff like that. And it just really motivates me to be like, all right, well, when I'm 80, I hope to still be doing this, you know, like what else am I yeah. going to be doing? Yeah, and exactly. You have all the time in the world to train probably because you're retired and whatnot. What, yeah, um, I'm, when I think about them, I think about, I just hope that I haven't like destroyed my body by that time that I can still like move like that and not have hip problems, knee problems, shoulder problems, stuff like that. True. So. That, that, that's a good point. Like you gotta, you gotta take care of it now to be able to benefit from it later. And that's mm-hmm. something that you can definitely see that those masters athletes have done. Oh yeah. Now, do you have any advice for anyone who might be listening and they, they follow the sport, they want to do a weightlifting meet, but they're terrified. You know, maybe they're not on a team. Maybe they are on a team. I don't know. But they're kind of in a situation on where you were going into your first meet. Uh, and they may not do it. They're not going to click that submit button to, to, to finally go. Um, I'd say, what do you have to lose? Because that was kind of my thought. I, I wasn't at all sure that I was going to do that meet the first time because I'd only been lifting for two months. I had no goals for myself. So at that point, I was just like, why not get that experience under my belt? What just, what do I have to lose? I, nothing essentially at that point, maybe whatever the, the, um, sign up fee was, but that's not, I'm not losing at that point. You're paying for an experience. Um, so I'd say just do it, sign up, get it over yeah. with. 
Yeah, just get, get that first one over with, you know, and the first couple are going to be like that. Heck, even like, like I've, I've done so many of them, I still get a little nervous, you know, like, like going out <laughs> because like this, if you, especially like this year, you know, not having done one since actually it's been a year, it's going to be a year because I haven't done a meet since the last Christmas and kilos. So you get that time off and yeah, mm-hmm. you get a little bit, a little nervous, but I like that, you know, just, just do it. You've got nothing, nothing to lose. And everyone there, of course, wants to see you succeed. And maybe at that meet, you talk to people and you find a team that way. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the the atmosphere at lifting meets are, even if you're, even if it's your first time or if it's your hundredth meet, like everybody is very positive. They're very, everybody cheers when you make a lift. It doesn't matter if you're lifting 10 pounds or 150 pounds. So I think there's really nothing to worry about in terms of, um, people being mean or anything like that. Um, I think the person that's probably going to be hardest on you is yourself. So I think if you can just get in the right mentality and just sign up and go, go for it, then I think it's going to be a great, great experience. Yeah. And I mean, uh, to piggyback off of that, I've never seen anyone be mean or anything like that at a meet. I've never seen it. I, I, I think that would be the person who would, be the outsider, you know, mm-hmm. at, at a meet versus like, you know, you got the new person there who it, maybe if you have no experience, just talk to someone and they will definitely help you, you know? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. If you're confused about anything, where to go or anything like that, talk to anybody. They're, they're always happy to help. And the, the nice thing is when you are on a team, coach does all the thinking for you. Like, all right, <laughs> you, you, you don't have to convert all these numbers into pounds because that's how we train. It's yep. just a number in kilos. You go out there, you do your lift. I go talk to the, the table, tell them what to do. And then you just rest and relax and then go out there and do your thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure leading up to that meet, you know, you weren't sure if you were going to do it. And then my way of getting people to do meets is just to wear you down and just to keep asking and asking. And until you finally say, okay, if I say I'll do the meet, he'll leave me alone. Yep. That's my style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It works. So that's hey, fine. Hey. Yeah, it works because well, because I know that once you do it, you'll be happy you did it. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. that's the only way I can, I can get it across. It's like, oh, you just got to do it. Like, and then I'll just keep bothering you until you finally do it. And then after the meet, you're like, well, when's the next one? Because that was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And the next one turns out to be a whole year later. <laughs> yeah. Who, who would have foreseen that, you know, but uh, the, the cool thing is, is we've had all these experiences. We've been training. And at that first meet you did, we went four for six in yep. the ladies 76 class. We snatched 44 kilos. We clean and jerked 62 kilos and we totaled 106, yes. which we've done more than that in training. But the nice thing is, is that those are competition PRs. So those are completely different PRs. So when we go back, yes. you know, we'll try to set a new, new meet records. Yep. That's the goal. Be- That'll be exciting. And at this, at that meet Christmas and kilos last year, you PR'd your clean and jerk. So it wasn't, it wasn't an official one because we got called for press out, but from a training standpoint, it was a good training make. So we hit 67 (laughs) kilos at that. And I'm not sure, did we, have we broken that in training since? Yes. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that conversion is like 147 or something like that. And I've uh, done at least 160. But okay. I haven't done that since before quarantine, so we'll see. 
<laughs> well, hey, I mean, we, we still have plenty of time. We're getting the shoulder ready. We're, we're building things back yep. up. By the time December rolls around, Christmas and Kilo's coming up again. We're going to be maybe opening at 70. Who knows? We'll be, we'll be opening with an all, all new That'd competition awesome. PR. Yeah. That's, that's always a good goal. Yep. Now, are, what are you thinking about this Christmas and Kilo's? See, here's my new way of getting people to do meets. I get you on the podcast and I ask you publicly now, are you going to do this meet? That's my new way. So I, I have like 10 other podcasts I need to do to get people on here. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested. I'm going to have to look to see if there's like any sort of conflicting thing in my schedule, but I, I doubt it. So um, I think I'm in. Awesome. I, I hope that uh, it won't be as early as last time, but it probably will be. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Some of these meets, they either make the lightweight guys go super early or the, um, they make the ladies go super early now so everyone can get done. Yep. So hopefully, hopefully that won't be the case. Yeah, but I'm definitely down. Even if I've, I've, I have to wake up at 4 a.m. Sometimes it happens. So. Yeah, yeah. Now, let's go back in time a little bit. Let's go back to uh, your early sports days. I'm sure you had a lot of coaches that you worked with who influenced you, you know, because you're a coach now yourself, right, mm -hmm. for, um, for, for track? For track, yep. So what, what during all those experiences, uh, inspired you to get into coaching and what are some lessons that you remember learning from some of those people that you take with you now and you try to instill in your athletes? Well, a lot, I actually had a lot of bad coaches growing oh. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I got, it got to a point where I actually, um, I stuck with basketball for, for, for longer than, than I was, um, expecting, but I ended up not staying with softball because of my experiences with a bad coach. And that's kind of something that um, I've learned not what not to do when it comes to coaching. Um, and the same thing happened in, in track. I actually had some good coaches at the start. Um, I really liked my, my first long jump coach. Um, and then a couple of them after were like kind of iffy. In college, I went through a different coach every year, which was just super annoying. Um, they all had different coaching styles. They all focused on different things. And my performance reflected that. Um, and I, I, I didn't like that um, kind of uh, switching back and forth all the time. So when I got the opportunity to coach um, for RPI after I graduated, um, and I was coaching with one of the assistant coaches that had been there previously, um, I was like, yeah, I'll take it just so that these people, these athletes can have some consistency. They know who I am. They know like what I've learned and, and my performance and I can kind of go off their previous coaches so that it's not just like switching every single year styles of practicing styles of uh, coaching. Um, and it, I, I don't know. I just, I guess I kind of started it to, for consistency, but also I enjoyed the sport. I, love long jumping. Um, I love watching people long jump. I love critiquing like uh, people's long jump forms and stuff like that. And then it turned out that my, the, the other coach um, that I was coaching with, we became really good friends. So we fed off each other really well. We uh, worked together really well. Um, and we saw a lot of improvement in the athletes and we really enjoyed working with these athletes, even, even like the difficult ones you can say like some, some athletes are more difficult to coach than others. Like they were still fun, 
fun to coach and it wasn't hard once you realized um like their style so sometimes you had to like switch up the way that you talk to them the way that you uh explain something to them like once you figured out that they they responded better to a certain style of coaching then they were great like they were fun to work with so i don't know if that answered the question but <laughs> oh yeah no yeah i think i mean you hit it the nail on the head consistency is super important from a coaching standpoint you don't want to be confusing your athletes you know like like in weightlifting i don't want to be telling you guys one thing on monday and then on wednesday it's a completely different thing on the same topic you know like uh, i want you to move your feet you know so mm-hmm. now unless we're doing a specific drill where the intent isn't to move the feet you know and now i'm, I'm saying something else you know it's not like i'm saying uh move your feet and land flat and hard on monday and then on tuesday or wednesday i'm like land on your toes like that would be yeah that'd be, that'd be crazy you know or jump really really high in the air you know or something like that yeah. it's it's yeah, and, it, and i mean like just switching up your your verbiage sometimes just it it helps like click in your head so even though you might say like move your feet one day and then just pick up your feet the next like that change in verbiage sometimes just helps like click in my head sometimes like it depends yeah. day to day it's it's um you know what it's like uh coaching in a way is like poetry you know, yep. I don't know if you've ever dabbled in, in poetry before, but um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, I, I, I have. And it, when you're writing a poem, you'll write maybe your first rough draft, right? And then after that, you are going to endlessly be editing it, subbing out words, you know, like, like, like what is the best word for this line right here that will then affect the next line and then the next mm-hmm. line. So you're just endlessly just thinking about different ways to make it better and that's kind of like with coaching, like, like the cue I give you on one day, it's, um, it's consistent from day to day on the action that I want you to do, but I might have to change out the words so it makes more sense. And then it's also going into learning more about you as an athlete will help lead me to that word. Like if yeah. I'm making a, um, an analogy on swimming and you weren't a swimmer, you're going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about, James. Like, or, or even if I'm making a poetry analogy and, and you, you don't do poetry, then you may not understand that, but it's just knowing your athletes and, and developing that relationship with them. And then that will lead you towards like, okay, here's what I have to say to get through to Haley to make this lift. Yep. Yep. And that's something I've noticed with all of my jumpers. Um, like there's some that I can just say, drive your arms off, but like off a takeoff and they do it immediately. And that's great. And then there's some that just don't seem to get what I'm saying until I show them a video. And I'm like, this is what you're doing at takeoff and this is what you should be doing. And then that helps them click. And then sometimes it's literally just like coming up with some random drill that helps them figure out the motion that they're supposed to be doing and and that helps. So there's there's a lot of creativity when it comes to coaching and uh, it's like challenging me in a way to not be boring, <laughs> to not yeah. be stagnant. Oh, and I, yeah, I, well, I mean, you always got to be learning, right? Yep. Yep. Always got to be learning and adding to your tool bag as, as a coach. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned that you had learned the wrong ways of doing things. I'm just interested. Uh, what, like maybe the softball example or one of the others, what are some things that you saw happening uh, in, in coaching that, you know, like, like things that you're allowed to share, I guess, you know, <laughs> Um, and you don't have to name, don't name names, you know, No, I won't. Um, what, what are some things that, you know, rubbed you the wrong way and you're like, okay, that's definitely not how I'm going to do it. 
uh, one of the big things that really bothers me when it comes to coach, coaching is when people see somebody who is not good, not like at the top of the, the game or not going to win any meets or anything like that. And they just like ignore them. They chuck them to the side. They're like, they're not going to be any good. Um, I won't help. I won't put any of my attention or effort towards them. And that's what happened uh, in softball and basketball. I had two coaches that were more focused on winning than actually teaching the players how to play. So like I had some potential going, I was in middle school. So, I mean, as good as a middle school softball player can be, I had some potential, but I started like getting into a rut and my coach, instead of teaching me what I was doing wrong, just benched me. And uh, same thing with basketball. It's like, I joined a team that was probably better than um, like my skill level, but instead of teaching me to be better, they just benched me. So those two things uh, really like it hurts. It hurts your ego and hurts your, your mentality when it comes to the game. You just become like depressed and uh, not motivated. And you're so worried about messing up and being benched again that you don't push yourself to do any better. And I really didn't, I don't like that. And I've noticed a couple of uh, other coaches in my track experience that have that same mentality and it drives me nuts. And yeah, I think I think so that's that's awful. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, a one you, if you're the coach, you you have to meet everyone where they're at and everyone's going to be at a different spot and if you just believe in them and encourage them, that that alone will drive them so much in their technical or physical ability because they just need someone to believe in them. You know, benching someone is is lazy. It's like super easy and lazy. But I guess like after the game or after a practice session saying, hey, Susie or hey, Bill, can you stay for 10 minutes? I just want to work with you on this one thing. That's where true coaching probably comes into play in a sport like that. Oh, yeah. And like, I mean, th these coaches, they just they just kind of just drew up game plans and like, again, just focused on winning. But like even during practice, didn't didn't pull me aside, didn't critique anything like the main thing that was causing a lot of issues in softball. And I realized this as in like college or something was that I pulled my head when I swung instead of focusing, instead of watching the ball hit the bat, I pulled my head and therefore I missed every single swing that I ever swung. <laughs> every single ball <laughs> I missed because I wasn't watching it. And I didn't know that that was my issue and nobody ever told me that. So when I finally realized that in college, I just got, I got even more mad <laughs> <laughs> and it's something that I should have dropped a long time ago. So, um, well, but. Hey, it, it made you, <laughs> It, it made you better for the people that are going to be coming to you for help in the future. So yeah. it, it may not have worked out for, for you at the time and you could have maybe done more with your athletic career, but now in a coaching sense, it's exactly what you needed to have happen to help the next person. Cause now, you know, one to look for that, you yeah. know, and two, you know, you know what it's like to be on the receiving end of no one paying attention to you and or no one wanting to invest any sort of time in you, you know, and it just shows that those other coaches, they lacked passion too. you know, in a way, if you're going to be a coach, you have to be obsessed about it. You know, mm -hmm. um, I had someone this past week tell me to stop texting them and to go on vacation because I'm supposed <laughs> to be on vacation. But, you know, I want to know how things are going too. you know, I yeah. you just can't stay away from it when it's your life. Yeah, like even, I mean, uh, because we have two jumping coaches, not we can't go to all the meets um, for track, just like logistics-wise. 
So even if I'm not on a meet, I'm like constantly texting my other coach, like, how are people doing? What are the results? I'm constantly like finding the meet results online, looking them up. I want to know how my like jumpers are doing because I want to know what they can improve on and what we, what we're going to be working on in practice the next week. And the other thing about that, um, like ignoring athletes thing is like a lot of the times it's, it's unfounded. Like even if you, somebody comes in a new jumper and they're jumping horribly, they've never done anything before. They, um, have no technique. If you just ignore them, you might be throwing out a, a really good jumper. And even if they're not going to become a really good jumper, like, to watch their progress is so rewarding for you as a coach that why would, why would you give up on that? And that's such, uh, that's just something I never understood. Oh, I, I know it's, that's a very rewarding feeling to see someone go from an absolute beginner to start to, to get it, you know, and one example would be Bella. Like you remember when Bella joined the barbell club, we didn't have her doing any snatches or clean and jerks because she just had to learn basic lifts and also learn how to move. And now yep. she's doing snatches and she's a natural split jerker and it's, she's super motivated. So it's just great to see that go down and you, you'll never see that happen, that transition happen. If you don't have the patience to wait for it, you know, yeah. if you're like, well, all right, you can't automatically do it. We're not going to youth nationals or anything like that right now. I'm not willing to spend the next year, two years, three years to get you there. It's never going to happen. Like you're not just going to have mm -hmm. freak athletes walk in through your door all the time. And it's exactly like you said, no. you might be, you might not be keeping someone back that would be a champion someday if you just spent five minutes with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if they're not going to be a champion, they could, they could be number one, one of the easiest people to coach and those type of people tend to become great coaches. So like, you're just, if you ignore that type of person, you're, you're giving them like a bad idea of the sport. And you're potentially taking somebody who can improve the sport out of it. And I don't know. That's yes, just... they, they might have big ideas that change something down the yep. line, or they might just be the next best coach out there, yep. you know, and, and then they help other people, you know, and then yep. and so it's like a trickle down effect. Like yep. you as a coach helping that athlete and they eventually someday become a coach. Maybe they weren't the best athlete, but they stayed in the sport. Every athlete then on is kind of connected to your family tree so to say yep. <laughs> yeah you could think of it like that. the other so, thing i mean uh, sorry the other thing about um like those type of people is a lot of the times they're also like great for the team so um even if like bad at the sport or they're even if they're not improving they have a great mentality they have a great work, work ethic there are people like that on the track team where like they they probably won't medal they probably won't even make um like championship meets they won't qualify but they put in the work and they push other people to improve and that's also just like really helpful and positive yeah i mean everyone everyone if you're on a team everyone on the team in my opinion should have the same level of worth you know yes. like like it's like yeah you have your star athletes but those star athletes more than likely aren't anything without the rest of the team in some situations, like the rest of the team pushes them. So seeing James come in, who's just God awful and can't make a layup or anything like that, you know, like my work ethic and what I'm doing and contributing to the team helps that person, you know, yep. do what they need to do. And yep. so it's like, I, I, I definitely like, I've seen it happen in CrossFit too, where like mm -hmm. the, the top athletes think that they're above everybody. And it's like, no, it's like, 
you're you're nothing without the house moms and the the soccer dads and everyone else and the kids in the room you know yep. your your ego is just getting inflated by for some reason and you're still not going to the games or regionals you know yeah <laughs> yep. exactly so how do you haley deal with an athlete who is maybe uncoachable like we'll go the other way you have someone who needs your help they want your help they're receptive they're maybe not the best how do you deal with like, you know, the ego, uh, the divas on the team, you know, the people who think they know it all, but they maybe even haven't accomplished anything. Yeah, those are, they're hard people to work with. Um, a lot of the times, I mean, I haven't had to uh, deal with too many of those. Um, a lot of the times it's kind of a facade. So if you can break them down, um, and kind of show them that you know what you're talking about and that you, what you're saying will help them improve, then that kind of helps. Um, but all, I mean, I coach D3. So anybody that acts like that, chances are they're going to quit the team because they think they're too good for them. Yeah. Too good for the team. Um, which is, it's frustrating, but it's, it's kind of hard because there's not much you can do about it. Um, but the few that have had that type of ego thing, it's, it's kind of just like breaking, breaking it down, showing them that they, they aren't the best. They can improve. They don't have the perfect technique. They, um, they're really bad at like certain things and just showing them the fact that they like basically just like knocking them down a, a few pegs. Um, that that's what I've seen helps a little bit, but again, it's, it's hard to get through to them sometimes. Yeah. You, you can only do so much when someone's skull is super thick and yes. you know it's not gonna get get through them i know i know like in a, in a crossfit sense kind of what i'll do is um you know you try to show them the value you try to show them that you know you know what you're talking about and you get them maybe you know an extra couple pull-ups on their set or something like that with a technique change some people will come around and then other people won't because they'll still have that attitude and that's mm -hmm. kind of when you realize okay you're probably not going to be at this gym for super long, you know, like you're probably going to leave, go on to the next gym. We were the problem that was behind all of your lack of success. And then that same thing will play out at the next gym and the next yep. gym. And, and there are people in our local community who I won't name names, but are exactly like that. They've, they've been a member at every gym and every gym yep. is always the problem. You know, it's, it's always the programming. It's always the coaching. It's never them, you know? So I, I, what I, tend to do in that situation if I realize that's where it's going and I know their history, I might stop paying attention to them. You know, if I, if I know, I, all right, there's other people who came to work today. I need, I know they're going to be here. Or they've been here. I need to make sure I'm taking care of them. And then hopefully by taking care of them, it will maybe motivate this other person, you know, when they see the person that maybe they view as not being the best and shouldn't be in the room with them, PRing and having success, maybe that will turn them around. Yeah, it normally doesn't, you know, because yeah. I mean, like you can't, you can't change a really poor attitude, but that's always my hope. Okay. If I can't get through to you directly, maybe I can get through to you indirectly by not harassing you all the time, but I'm going to push everyone around you to get better. And then maybe you'll catch on. Yes. Yep. It's, it's one of those things where I can't do all the work. Like coaches can't do all the work. It has to, some of it has to come from the athlete. And if I put in all that I can and they're still not responding, then it gets to a point where um, you move on to like the next athlete and hope that just by 
um, just by like them realizing that they aren't improving, they come and ask for help. And that's kind of the hope. There was one guy we had on the track team who he had, oh my God, he was a fantastic jumper, not going to lie, but he had the worst attitude when it came to practice. He never did the warm-ups. He, for the warm-up laps, he would act like he was tying a shoe. Um, and if anybody on the track team listens to this, they're going to know exactly who I'm talking about, but they probably won't. <laughs> so, but you'll, you'll he, tell them later. Yeah. Um, he's a, he, but he had such a huge ego and he never came to practice. So his steps were off. So like, I don't, if you know anything about long jump, 90% of the jump is the approach. And if you don't hit the board, you're, you're either going to foul or your jump's just going to be um, like a foot shorter than it should have been. Um, so he couldn't hit the board for the life of him. And he ended up like three or four meets in a row fouling all three jumps. So in like weightlifting, it's like, it's uh, bombing out. <laughs> like nobody wants to do that several meets in a row. Um, and it never really got through to him that it was his own fault for not coming to practice. And the coach at the time was kind of soft-spoken and would, wouldn't really like go up against um, somebody with like a really uh, intense um, opinion about anything like that. So instead of forcing him to come to practice and to actually listen to her, he just quit. And it was, it's really sad because he could have been like probably one of the top in the nation if he had just put in the work. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. I see that in CrossFit and a little bit in weightlifting, but not so much in weightlifting. Uh, it seems like the, the people, not on our team, the people that join our barbell club seem to be of a different mindset, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and attitude, but like in CrossFit, I definitely see it where people start to get a little bit better. You know, they start to improve on the skills. They get a muscle up, they can do rope climbs. They can start to do workouts RX. And then you start to see them, you know, putting less effort into the warm up and things that they view now as being beneath them. But it's funny, those are the exact things that got them to where they are now. And it always seems to be the most insane thing to me that once you've made some kind of progress, that you stop doing the things that made you progress and you either switch programs or start half-assing the warm-up and things like that. And I'll see it all the time. Like, like we're doing, let's say we're doing downward upward dogs, simplest things. And you'll see someone do one downward upward dog and then just like lay on the floor for the rest of the warm-up. Well, it's like now you're not stretching anything. You're not taking note of how your joints and muscles are feeling because a lot of the warm-up is exploratory. You're not getting any kind of core temperature up or muscle temperature up. And now you're going to start to have a tougher workout because you think you can just go right into it. And even the, even games athletes, they put in, I'm going on a rant now, Haley. Like it's like, you <laughs> I see, can rant about this too. <laughs> oh yeah. You see the best of the best do full warmups. You yes. see the best of the exactly. best. Yes. Do <laughs> every sport. Yes. Is like uh, that. In, in weightlifting, you will see people do all of the bar work, right? And in yes. barbell club, we do a lot of bar work. It's grueling. It's painful. But you'll see it in the CrossFit classes. Someone will do one snatch and then they'll put down the bar or they'll just stand there with it. And it's like you, you are nowhere near the level of needing to skip this. And the people that could skip this don't. Because yes. being the best athlete possible, the best in the world, master and practice the basics to nauseam over and over and over. And that's the thing that you want to skip. It's, this is a whole thing. 
oh, it's the same thing in track. Like it drives me nuts, but there are people, we, we have at least like a 45 minute warm up every, every time. And it's all like various drills, but people have done that, done them so many times that they just start like lollygagging through them, not like thinking about the mo the motion. And the thing about the drills for track is that every single contact that your foot hits the ground is important. That translates to your running form to, and it's the same thing in weightlifting. Watch all the elite weightlifters during all of their practices, warming up for a meet. They're gonna spend 45 minutes warming up with the bar, without the bar, whatever they need to do. They're gonna make sure that their muscles and their joints are moving properly so that they can perform at their best. Yeah, it's it's super important, you know, and even like doing like, let's say a, a, a squat workout, you know, uh, the guy who is squatting, I've heard stories about powerlifters who are squatting over a thousand pounds and they still put in their reps with the barbell and yes. then make very precise jumps going up. They're not just starting with like 315 or 500 on the bar or something crazy like that, you know, cause like this is, we're, we're, we're trying to express our ultimate athletic output whenever we're doing any of these things. So if you don't prepare in the right way, you're just setting yourself up for a huge injury later on. Yep. Yep. I wish I could just hammer that into everybody's head. <laughs> yeah, All I know. It's track athletes just want to pound it into their, into their brains. It's, <laughs> it's a hard thing. And I guess as a coach, that's where being creative comes into play. Like I know our whole warm up and barbell routine is pretty repetitive, but it's repetitive for a reason because we're one, we're stretching out and moving very specific joints. Um, I, I think we spend a lot more time stretching out the spine and the muscles in the back more than other people do with all the endless cat cows that we do. Um, and then we spend a lot of time just with, with the bar in our hands. And, but you guys move beautifully. Like we're working on a lot of things and we PR like crazy. So obviously something's working. Yeah, so, no. And I mean, you kind of change it up sometimes. So it's not, it's, I mean, sometimes the bar stuff is, it's similar, but you change up the order sometimes that just keeps you on your toes, keeps your brain into each movement that you're doing. That's something I'm trying to get the, the head, head coach to kind of, um, and he's, he's actually gotten a lot better in doing that and just changing up the warm ups each day so that it's not the same thing every single day, every single week for the whole year. Yeah. I um, think that that's important to, to switch it up. Like I have like a pool of exercises and I know we got to get through some of them, but some days we don't have to do snatch balances. Some days we don't have to do overhead squats or things, or maybe on some days I'll add in a push press from behind the neck and some behind the neck stuff. It, it kind of depends on what the workout we're doing for the day is. And I might change things when I kind of see how everyone's coming in. If everyone's coming in with smiles, we might do one thing. If everyone's coming in and they're like, uh, I, I, I died a little bit on that 20 minute EMOM on Monday, then we might change things a little bit more, you know? Yep. Yep. Now, no, that's, I think that's great. Now you said something interesting earlier. You said that 90% of jumping is the approach and yep. that, that sounds like, I, I, I like that. that. That sounds a lot like, like weightlifting, you know, like, like there's so much that goes into the approach on the barbell before you even put your hands on it, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's what that means. The, well, the jump is on the approach. You probably mean the actual step process, right? Running. Yeah. The, there's like, you, you take like eight, seven, eight, nine steps. Uh, I say seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine lefts or right. So 16, 18, 20, something like that. Um, steps to before you get to the board and then as soon as you take off from the board 
pretty much everything that happens in the air has already been set up on the 18 steps that you've taken previously. So that's what I mean by the approach. Okay. Um, so that, that is, that's maybe kind of like the, uh, the actual setup then on the yeah. bar, you know, like, yeah. like it's almost like you're knocking down a bunch of dominoes and they, they go down in a, a neat order. If you do yep. all the steps correctly and each domino feeds into knocking down the next domino, but then every yes. now and then you'll have one that kind of tilts off to the side and then things start to go awry on your, your beautiful line. That's yeah I'd, say it's, yeah. I'd say it's actually really similar because the whole thing that I try to teach with the approach is a rhythm and like a mentality thing going into it. You can't just, it's not a hundred percent full speed sprint down the runway. There's a buildup rhythm. You have to set yourself up at the end and you need to do it the same way every single time because you're running at the board. Um, so I'd say it's, it's very similar with weightlifting where you have to have that kind of rhythm, that mentality, um, where if you change it up, it's going to throw you off and you're not going to do the same lift every single time. Yeah. I, I talked about this a bunch of shows ago, uh, um, fast, faster, fastest. You, yep. And you have to have position first, then rhythm, then ultimate speed and strength. Uh, so it sounds very, very familiar. You can't just start the pull off the floor at yep. maximal capacity because then what are you going to put into it later on? And are you going to hit the positions or in your approach, are you going to hit all of those steps in the correct sequence? Yep. And the whole, the whole goal of the, of like a jumping approach is to get to your maximum speed at the last step or not the last step, but like two or three steps beforehand so that you're not wasting energy. And so that it sets you up to go the farthest. Yeah, that, that makes sense because if you had that maximum speed early on, then you're applying maximum speed to distance, to covering distance that doesn't matter. Yep, exactly. Yep, physics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun, to, it's fun to think about. It's fun to talk about. And it's also interesting just to see how weightlifting kind of compares to an, another sport. And I, I was talking a little bit about track with, with Miguel in the last show. Uh, and now we're talking about it here. We have so many athletes in the barbell club that come from a track background. That's why you guys are all always on your toes, I feel. Uh, but yes. <laughs> it's just uh, it's just funny to see the similarities, and it's 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 opening my eyes that I need to probably learn more about the sport of track. And I feel like if I if I learn more about another sport, maybe that'll spark some ideas to get better at coaching weightlifting. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Just kind of broaden the and look at the way other coaches from different sports will coach an athlete, <clears throat> or like run a practice, or just pick figure out a drill. Like, I feel like just getting that sort of, um, dif differentiation and that creativity kind of flows a lot yeah. easier. Hey, you're, you're inspiring me right now because uh, <laughs> back at SUNY Cortland, we used to talk about this stuff all the time because the, the program was geared towards training multi-sport athletes, basketball players, soccer players, baseball players, oh, especially baseball players, um, and track and field football, all that stuff. And then I've kind of been in a, a CrossFit bubble and definitely I've placed myself in a weightlifting box for quite some time, which I'm comfortable in my weightlifting box. I like it. It's fun. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's my every day, but I think like maybe taking a USA track level one course would be fun to do. Yeah. I, I want to take that. I, I haven't taken that. <laughs> Actually, oh, oh, you, we almost took it over the summer. We had it planned. My, my other jumping coach and I, um, we were planning on going and taking one in, in DC, uh, but Obviously, that did not happen because of COVID. Yep, the, the world changed. The world changed. Well, I'll, hopefully, they'll have one maybe close here in New York and Albany or something. You know, yeah, I don't know where awesome. they do these things. But, Although, I wouldn't but, mind going 
to DC. I can visit my parents because they live down there. <laughs> true, true. Now, um, you, you mentioned something about this earlier too, and this is sparking a, a thought in my head. You said that that one guy who had the potential to be the best, he wasn't taking direction from a soft-spoken coach. And, you know, not to do, to have, to be a good coach, you don't have to be barking orders all the time or not, you know, like there's so much more than coaching to do that. And some coaches think that's all there is to coaching. It's just yelling all the time. It, it seems to me too, that he had issues maybe taking coaching and direction from a female coach. And uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you've experienced this yourself, what, what are kind of your thoughts on this and how, if there's a female coach listening or a female athlete that wants to be a, fee, a coach, uh, what are some, what's some advice that you have to kind of overcome this, this archaic obstacle? Yeah, that's tough. I don't, I don't know if I have any direct advice because I have, um, because my, my other coach that works with me is a, is a male. So, um, we kind of work together and we haven't had any issues where, um, a, an athlete will only listen to one or the other, thankfully. Um, and I think that's because we say the same thing. We're not saying any sort of like different um, critiques. A lot of the times, even if we're coaching alone, we're going to give the same, um, I, yeah, I guess critiques uh, to the same athlete over and over and over. So they kind of have gotten into their head that we are on the same level of uh, skill, ability, coaching style. Um, but with that one athlete, and that one coach, so the, that one coach, she had actually been a competitor of mine for three years and she graduated and then we hired her as a coach. So that was already, it's kind of odd for me. Um, but because she was fresh out of college and this was her first coaching position, she kind of was already just like timid, intimidated, um, just wanted to let us kind of do what we've already been doing um, instead of coming in straight off the bat and setting a course of what her plan was for the year. Um, so I think that sort of mentality and that um, attitude towards it made it a lot easier for anybody with a strong personality to push over her and to talk over her and to like, just like dismiss her as not the coach kind yeah. of in the rules. Um, so I think my, my, probably my advice would be to, to, to take, take charge from the start but not in a way, like you said, like barking orders or anything like that. Just lay down what your um, your opinions are, what your goals are for everybody, and what your expectations are for everybody. And I think that kind of sets sets the bar for everybody to um, to follow. And then I think the other thing is to uh, to follow um, the I, I guess follow your theme. Um, if somebody were to do something wrong, to be strict about it. And to not be a pushover, um, I think that's also huge. Um, but there's like a, it's a, it's an interesting balance, and it's hard as a new coach to come into a team that's already been established um, and try to force your um, coaching style on them. So it's, it's, it's hard, but I think it's, yeah, it's doable. It, it definitely is hard. You know, pr presence and attitude is a big part of coaching. You know, ma male or female, and it's, it certainly happens to male coaches too. You know. Um, Maybe you're just a shorter guy like myself with little legs and little arms and you're running around all the place and, and you can't do some of the things that some of these people are, you know, they, you have to show, earn respect. Like, so I guess you have to earn respect first and then have presence and attitude um, yes. uh, to a high degree in the room 
and like you said, show people that, that you're here to help them and yes. you're authentic and you have a plan. Cause I think uh, if you're disorganized and that's leading towards some of your timidness and stuff like that, and it sounds like you don't know what you're talking about, then I can definitely see people kind of turning, turning against it, you know, especially right off the bat. Uh, yep. I've taught a lot of seminars and when you teach a seminar, you're kind of rolling into a new environment of athletes that you don't know, you know, but you know, you just have to have confidence and realize that you're there because they asked you to be there and just to kind of own the room. So to, so to say. Yeah. I think you said in the beginning, earn respect is huge. You can't demand respect and you can't expect people to respect you just because you're the coach. I think you, every adult in my opinion has to earn respect. It's not, it's not given. Um, so I think that's a huge, huge part of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you can't, you can't rest on your laurels either, right? Like maybe yes. you were a successful athlete. So everyone should, uh, should, uh, respect you because of that. Well, they may not know, and they don't need to know that what they need to know is how are you going to make them successful athlete and what's your plan and yes. to kind of build that trust. Yeah. Yeah, and I think another part of that um, is also admitting when you're wrong. That's something that I've I've seen a lot of coaches do is like when I say, oh, that doesn't work for me, or I say like, no, you're like, that's not the way to do it, then they're just like, no, I'm the coach, I'm correct, blah, blah, blah. It's You kind of have to like play off your athlete. They might know something about the way that they're like, their style of jumping is that's different than what you're used to. And kind of recognizing that and admitting that you might be not the expert on everything when it comes to a, a specific sport. I think that that kind of plays a role. No, I think you're right. And, and nor, nor do you need to be the expert, no. right? Like, no. like, uh, it's, it's a team. So like if we're in the barbell club and you know, we're a team right now, like no one is above one another. You know, I, if you make a mistake, make a joke out of it, you know, like, like, cause we're all just here having fun. And if you're having fun to begin with, that's going to lead more towards success than not having any fun. Yep. And if, if, if you come to me and you're like, Hey, I, I watched this, this video and whatnot, and I want to try this. Well, let's see if it works, you know? And then it, yep. as opposed to like squashing ideas right off the bat from a coaching standpoint, yep. it's way better. Even if I know it's not going to work, it's yeah. better for me to let you discover that on your own. Yep. Because we have a million training sessions to do another day. So this is how we're going to spend today. Obviously, you thought it was important. So it's important that we let it play out. And for me to see if it will work as well. And at some point, you'll learn, okay, that wasn't a good idea. And then you'll yep. come back to it. As opposed to squashing the idea right off the bat. No, Haley, that's not going to work because X, Y, Z, you're wrong. And that's going to make you not be encouraged to seek out knowledge in the future. I agree. We've done that with approaches. Some people want to try a different style approach and it just like you try it for one practice and you didn't get it. It's like, all right, next practice. Sorry, we're going back. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you'll, you'll know if you know your athletes well enough, like there's plenty of times that I'll see Shaf lifting and I'm like, I wonder what article he read or what video he saw, because it's like, it's like painfully obvious. It's like, this is not how you normally do this. You know, yeah. you're, you're changing something. And I'll ask, I'll be like, why, why is your start different? And it might be just, he just forgot his start, you know? So it's yeah. like me just asking that question. He's like, oh yeah, normally I don't do this. I'm just <laughs> tired today. So my hips are sinking down. 
really, really low on the start or something. Or yeah. he might be like, hey, I saw a video of, you know, such so-and-so from such and such team and I thought I would try it out. All right, well, let's see. If it yeah. gets us a PR, I'm happy. Like yep. if, if a success, success is success. So it's like, it, it's not all about you if you're the coach. It's, uh, it's mm -hmm. about, it's actually, it's about them. You know, it's yep. about the athlete. Yep, exactly. Now, what, what have you put into with all these lessons and things that you've experienced in track from coaching and seeing athletes work and develop? Uh, how, what kind of, how does that shape your mindset into your own training when it comes to weightlifting and learning these new skills? One of them is very new to you and trying to progress and get stronger. Um, well, I guess one thing that I I've noticed is that like, whenever you tell me a cue, um, I kind of like try to, to try to figure out what you saw in my, um, in my lift that caused you to like make, make that critique. And then I kind of, I, I assess what you said and I try to put it in my own head as, in a different way. Sometimes if it doesn't like click immediately, um, I guess, I guess that's kind of it though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that, that's a great way. Like you're internalizing it. You have to make it make sense, you know, yeah. for you. And, and I know you're good about asking questions, you know, yes. if something doesn't, doesn't make sense, you know, on what I'm saying. Sometimes I'm running around the room like a crazy person, you know, so. Oh yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes when you say a cue, I'm like, oh, am I doing this? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like that's, that's why, that's why this is happening. That's why this, like, I'm not doing this. Yeah, and sometimes it's just like reminding you, you know, it's like reminding, like, like we have a bunch of things that we're working on consistently, you know, on like, like opening up all the way on the extension or getting off of those toes or things like that, you know? So it's just consistently reminding because in a hard workout, you're going to forget, you know, you're worried, okay, we got to put weight on the bar. We got to yeah. go up again. What's Diana doing? Um, <laughs> which everyone, it's funny, everyone that's been coming on the show, has been uh, using Diana as the the example. <laughs> she's like the person that she's the person everyone's chasing. Well, she's uh, she's so consistent with every single lift that she does, and I'm so jealous. Like even on the imams, even on like the really heavy imams, the really tough 15, 20 minute ones, every single lift looks the same, and I'm I want that. I want to be able to do that because like on the even on the 15 minute ones, it takes me like eight minutes, eight lifts for me to feel like, all right, I'm actually like in a groove and most of my lips lifts feel like at least mostly, mostly similar. <laughs> she's, she's just a machine. You know, I mean, yeah, she, yeah. she does things with such high percentages of her maxes and it, that no one else is doing right now. You know, like we'll, we'll be doing like complexes or triples or doubles from the hips or the knees. And she's using her max lift or in excess of that from the floor. And yeah. then she's just casually PRing everything. And uh, every, every workout we do, she PRs. I've mentioned her a million times on the show. Uh, yeah. I, I want to get her on and whatnot. We'll, we'll dive deeper into this on the mythos behind Diana. And we'll <laughs> learn some of her, 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 um, her secrets. But it is kind of cool that you have someone to chase in the room too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love her... Um... The fact that she's so consistent, like I, I can watch her lift and it kind of like inspires me and it reminds me how to lift a lot of the time. But yeah, she, she, um, like when she makes a PR, 
I'm just like, all right, I need to be at that level right now. And even if I'm not, like it just, it helps push me mentally to, to try to get to her level. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny that you're saying that too, because your lifts are heavier than her lifts. Yes. My, my best lifts are heavier right now. I'm not at those best lifts. So right now, like my mentality is to stay with her to try to like keep up with her PRing and her like uh, numbers essentially. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's just helping me mentally and um, to push through. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're off our best lifts, you know, right before COVID happened, uh, I'm, 100% certain it would have happened by now, but oh. I'm, I'm still predicting you're going to be the first uh, female athlete in the barbell club to hit a 200 pound clean and possibly jerk it as well. Uh, Cause we haven't had anyone who's done that yet. And you Not were like, bad. yeah, you were right on the cusp. I, I got 190 from the blocks and that was, I have a video of that. Oh, that was my best one. <laughs> yeah. I uh, did I, I, did I post that video anywhere? Uh, you sent it to me, so I don't. Oh, okay. I probably did. I probably did then. I think you did. I'm not sure. Um, I'll have to yeah, look. I went for that 200 off the blocks, and I, I need that front squat to, to stand it up because I can, I can get it to my shoulders. Yeah, and it, but it's just, it's like we were talking about at the very beginning of the show, the speed you have, and and being able to to channel that athleticism into just ripping under that bar you have such a base of strength already that it's producing these big lifts. And sometimes you're just so fast, you'll rock it under a heavy clean and be like, well, I guess this is happening right now. Like I, I didn't, I didn't foresee this happening. You know, it maybe felt heavy on the pole, but then next thing you know, you're under it and you always have this surprise look on your face. Like, Oh, all right. I wasn't expecting to be here at all, let alone this fast. <laughs> well, that actually happened. Uh when I lifted 155 like two weeks ago or something like that it was my heaviest since coming back after a six-week break and I, I did not expect to actually catch it I thought I was just gonna like drop under and bail and I was like oh cool now I have to stand this up from a dead squat <laughs> I did it but it was really hard yeah there's your front squat right there just right yeah. in the middle of the plane we're working yep. on it right there yeah I need a squat cycle front squat cycle so that I can actually stand up out of those cleans a lot easier well, it'll be interesting to see as we go into this next training cycle, how the, um, the squat cycle helps with just the leg strength where we're doing back squats and they'll, they'll be tough back squat workouts, but we'll see just kind of getting everybody back into squats and maybe we'll add in some front squats here in the future too. I need it. I haven't squatted. Well, I squatted the once, the one day that my shoulder was hurting and I couldn't do cleans, um, or jerks. I, I did squats. That was the first time I had squatted since February and it was amazing. I loved it. Every second it's, of it. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly, you, you know, it comes back to you and you're like, I've missed this so badly. Oh, Having yeah. this bar loaded in my body and just squatting is just the greatest thing ever. That's all I wanted was a squat rack. Although I had, I have nowhere to put it in my apartment. So if I did. Yeah, that that would have been interesting. <laughs> squat, it, actually, it would fit on the balcony. Yeah. But it would, it would need to be uh, waterproof or um, weatherproof. Yeah, true. We'll get some like Rust-Oleum paint or something yeah. to yeah. spray it with. Now, uh, in terms of things that we work on in the Barbell Club, you know, you've been exposed to so many new things because you've probably never done half of these exercises other than like hand cleans. Yep. Um, and when, when you joined, the only thing I think you told me you had done was a hand clean and your PR was like 115. And then we're yeah. clean and jerking 115 in pounds uh, shortly after that. 
what are some of the things that you enjoy the most that we've been doing? Uh, I actually really like snatches. I love, I mean, that's something that I hated at the start because it was so foreign to me, but now I'm, I love the fact that it's just one, <laughs> one lift <laughs> and then you're done. Bree and I were talking about this at the, at the, um, uh, no, today's Sunday, Friday's uh, workout because the Imam's clean jerk is two lifts technically. And yeah. then the snatches one. But yeah, no, I actually really like the way snatches feel. Um, and just like the power of it, of going from the floor to overhead in one motion, it's just, it's so much fun. So that's something that I've, I've actually really enjoyed and, and kind of leaned into with, with uh, workouts. Yeah, it, it makes you feel super strong, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, um, I, I think right now you have the, the heaviest snatch of all the female athletes on the team. And Sam is right there with you too. You guys were, were battling back and forth with like the, the, the blue plates on there, getting 135. Oh, yeah. Yep. Is it, is it 130 or 135? I think it's 135. I want to say, say 135, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 135. Yeah, I remember that lift actually very vividly because um, Shania stood right in front of me on my first attempt and threw me off. And then I asked her to move and then I got it. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Shania and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> Need to get her on the show here and talk about her her back squat uh, 20 rep dealio oh there one God. time. Oh, God. Yeah, she did that. I forgot about that. that. That's one of my Great. favorite barbell club moments ever. Yeah, I mean, just just really quick, we were doing five sets of five on the back squat at 90%, one or five rep max. And she said, well, what if I just do them all in one set? Because she didn't want to do five sets of five and do all the squats. And I was like, all right, let's, let's, let's do it. I knew what was going to happen, but I just wanted to see if she could do it. And she almost got to all 20 reps. She, she did 15. She did, how many, how many did she do? 15? Uh, I think she did 15 or 16. And she owed me four or five. And I made her do another set right after that. Yeah, I remember that. Because she got to like 10. And I was like, oh my God, she's, she's done. She's going to drop the bar. And she just kept going. It, just sh it shows you that that definitely wasn't her 90%. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely not. And if it was, she's just an incredible squatter. Like, yeah, yep. Gotta get, gotta get her back in into the barbell club here. Now, yep. um, what what are your thoughts? I want, I'm interested to ask you this. I've, I've I haven't had time to ask you this before. You you only do the barbell club. Have you done CrossFit at all before? Uh, and <laughs> what are your thoughts on on CrossFit? Um, I've had a lot of differing opinions throughout the years on CrossFit. I've never done a workout, but I feel like it's something. I might enjoy because it's so similar to kind of track workouts and that intensity and that like lung function, like pushing how, how far your lungs can actually go. Um, and also like the muscular intensity. Um, I like those style workouts. Um, I've never done it. I, I don't like some of the movements that, um, I don't know, like that are integral in some workouts. I don't like doing like handstand pushups or anything. Um, or like, pull-ups for time or I don't particularly like the idea of doing hang, hang cleans or like any sort of like Olympic lift for time it kind of kind of scares me a little bit um but I mean I might be willing to try it in the future it's not like I've uh completely shunned it for my life <laughs> yeah I mean because I, I, I was thinking about it. I'm like I'm really surprised that going back to Brie that Brie hasn't talked you into it yet because she yeah, goes to CrossFit classes sometimes yeah, well, she goes super early. So even if I did CrossFit, I would never go that like at 6 a.m. Absolutely not. Um, 
but I actually had a plan after track season in the spring, I was going to join the, the CrossFit and do like a couple workouts a week. Uh, and then that didn't happen because of COVID. And now I'm like kind of unsure about it again. I got to like either somebody else has to convince me or I have to convince myself to try it out. Um, oh, well, hey, maybe in the spring again, you know, buckle down and train for this next weightlifting meet, get your legs back under you with back squat strength and deadlift strength. And then when you do do those CrossFit workouts, it's, uh, it's just like with anything, you know, it's, um, it, it sh- we want form and technique first, and then the intensity will follow. And yeah. it's like, you, you don't have to go super heavy. Just uh, uh, conditioning is conditioning. That's the nice thing about it. It's like, you can modify the movements. Uh, instead of doing uh, hang cleans, kettlebell swings, slam ball, you know, it's, it's all going to feed into yeah. just getting better. I like, the, I like the modification aspect of it that you can like RX or not RX, but like adapt it kind of to what your, what your uh, abilities are. Um, I like that a lot. And I do like, I, I feel like the whole um, cleans for time. Like, I don't really like that. I feel like that's all mental. Like if I actually tried it out, I'd be fine. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, that was a fun workout. Um, but I just got to get over that like mental barrier, of, like not wanting to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you want to do it the right way. Cause I mean, just like you said, you know, like, like handstand pushups, you know, that's like, that's a trickier move. And yeah. sometimes people put the cart before the horse. Uh, where they're doing kipping movements before they've gotten the strict strength down, you know, and before it's like, also, it's like, why are you doing strict handstand pushups when you lack so much capacity on pushups, you know, like, so you can't even do pushups. And now we figured out a way that it's, uh, it always reminds me of that quote from Jurassic Park, life will find a way. Well, people will find a way to get a movement done if given enough time, or if you're using enough momentum or body English. And yeah, sometimes yeah. that might mean bouncing your head off of the floor, <laughs> pushups, but like, yeah, I've seen many people do that where they, they figure out how to kip and they have the, the rhythm down to do the kip. And because of that momentum, they can do handstand pushups. But if you ask them to do a strict handstand pushup, they're barely getting down to the floor. So this is all gravity and, and your head hitting the mat doing this. Yep. So it's like, that doesn't make sense. And that's not how we want it to have happen. Yep. Makes sense. So maybe we'll get you in a CrossFit workout one of these days. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be one of those people that would cherry pick my workouts too. Cause I don't, I don't like the running. I know I'm a, <laughs> I know I ran track, but I didn't run more than 200 meters. And that was only if I was forced to. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, everyone does it at this point, you know, uh, and there'll be some day where you forget to look and you'll come in and it'll be an 800 meter run. And you're like, ah, all right. Yeah. You never know. Or, That'll or like someone will talk you into it, you know, breeze, like I'm going in, I'll meet you there. And she doesn't take, <laughs> she doesn't take no for an answer lightly. So who knows yeah. what will happen. Bree would probably be able to talk me into it. If she did like a later in the day workout, which I know she's not going to do, but <laughs> yeah, she did like a five, five o'clock or six o'clock workout. Then I could, might be able to, to be talked into it. As long as you don't do the thing that everyone does where you do barbell club and then you hop into the workout no. or you do the workout and then hop in the barbell club. It does drive me crazy. It's not ideal, no. you know, but everyone's adults and everyone's making adult decisions. You know, if this was, if there was a way for me to stop people, I would, but other than me stamping my feet, there's no way around it. <laughs> yeah, no, I would absolutely not do that. I can barely survive one barbell workout. I think, uh, doing both is just madness. Absolutely insane. 
and you're not going to get you're you're going to be half-assing one or both so what's the point exactly that's that's another thing that a mistake that people make when they you know more is not more less is more on most of these yeah. things just come in put that full effort into one of these workouts and that's how you'll get better as opposed to like yeah. a five-hour marathon of one workout after another you're probably yeah. you know putting in minimal effort into this one because you know you got another workout coming up and we've had people do that, you know, in, in barbell club too. And I'm not sure if people do this in track where they won't want to maybe let's say push on the back squats because they know they have snatches coming up and they want to be able to push in the snatches, but it's like, you just need to just put max effort in all of them. You know, like, like my, my philosophy is like, you either have it on the snatch or you don't today, like the back squat. Yes. It's going to be hard and it's going to take some energy, but that's not like, don't go blaming the back squat because you didn't PR the snatch today. It's um, it, maybe it's the mental focus of the day that's off that you didn't put the effort into the back squat. And that's why we didn't PR the snatch or the clean jerk after. Yeah. With those type of workouts, it's always, for me, it's one step at a time. I don't think about what's coming up next. I think about what I'm doing right now and how I can improve on that. Cause if I think about all the clean and jerks and all the back squats that I'm going to have to do while I'm snatching. Yeah. I'm not, like my, my brain isn't going to be in it and I'm not going to do very well. Um, so my, my focus with those type of workouts is one step at a time. It's different though with track because of the way the workouts are set up. A lot of the times you're not doing a hundred percent every single rep or every single like sprint that you do. A lot of the times you're doing, you're trying to hit a time. So if you're running 200 repeats, you're going to try to hit like a 30 second, 200 every single rep. Um, and, and whether that's, 80% or 90%, whatever um, your skill is or your fatigue is, then that changes. Um, but we do have, I mean, I will say in track, we do have some workouts where we'll do a workout and then immediately go into the weight room. And I don't know how the athlete's mentality is in the weight room, but a lot of the times the track workout comes first because that's your sport. You're, you're doing track. The weight room is accessory. Um, so I've seen at least uh, most of the time I've seen like the, the focus is, a, is on the track workout. Um, I don't go into the weight room with them, so I don't know what their focus is there. So that, that's interesting. So you, do they tell, do you talk to them at all about what they're doing in the weight room or do you communicate with the strength coach or anything like that? Uh, that's been a topic of, of some debate <laughs> with the strength coach because we would like to have more control over what they do in the weight room. Um, a lot of the times we uh, accidentally do like a, our track workout like for jumpers is to do um, a lot of like single leg or like double leg jumps to get their um, uh, agility up a little bit. And then all of a sudden we find out the next day that they did the same thing in the weight room. So um, we would like to have more control over that, but there's some pushback from the weight uh, trainers essentially. Um, but we're working, we're working harder to get, to get that um, more collaborative, I guess. So you're yeah, not I mean, over, overtraining. Yeah, it's that that team aspect. You know, the weight, the co the strength coach is just one one more person on the team. You know, so that that'd be that'd be good too if um, you know, because like you've learned some things now from from your own weightlifting. So I'm sure like maybe if you even saw some of your people doing some hang cleans and stuff, that you'd be able to give some some good input there. 
Yeah, I'd like to think that, but that's not going to be the case. The way that the weight room operates is they are, they are the all all knowing <laughs> entities. <laughs> they also, I mean, to give them credit, they, I feel like they move through uh, staff every half year. Like they hire a new head coach there, which is or like a head trainer, which is not the way to go. Um, and they also have to deal with. There's only like three people in there, and they have like 28 sports or like 28 teams or something like that. And the track team is enormous. It's a hundred people. So I don't blame them for like pushing back and saying like, I can't deal with having to coordinate with like every single coach or anything like that, but we would like some more control. And that's something like the, the course that I was talking about that we were going to take over the summer is going to be track, but also there was going to be a weightlifting one or like a, a weight training one. So we could have some say and some like, um, we could actually be like, hey, we're certified in this topic. Can we like create our own uh, weightlifting plans for them? And then you just like approve them or like improve on them. Yeah. I mean, with literally hundreds of athletes, because if the track team alone is, uh, you know, a couple hundred or a hundred, that's a lot of athletes you have to manage. Uh, It seems like it would just make your life easier as a strength coach to get the feedback from you and then be like, okay, Haley. So I wouldn't put the exercises in this order. I like these exercises. I would take this one out right now for where we're at in the season and I would adjust the volume here, but then work like that seems like it'd be super easy to do and then implement that. Uh, yeah. and it, you know, it's Pretty almost good. like you're making your job a little easier, but it's also the athletes will benefit from that communication. Yeah, that'd be nice. So we're, we're trying to work with them towards that. It's, it's mostly the head coach that's in communication. So um, it's, it would be hard for me to go through the head coach to the trainer in that way um kind of like acting the head coach as a middleman so we're just trying to figure out the best way to do that and it's uh it's impossible right now because uh currently for the way that rpi is doing training um for any athlete is it's no assistant coaches so i'm not an assistant coach this year it's just the head coach and you're only training in groups of nine or less so wow. it will be yes. So I think this year will be just do whatever you can <laughs> type of year. Yeah. Um, and then maybe next year we can start working on that communication because also yeah. the wait is not open right now. Well, a, and in that time you can uh, get that USA track level one. And I think, I think you would enjoy taking the uh, USA weightlifting level one too. You know, yeah, that'd just, be awesome. cause that that's a, a credential that's very applicable to all kinds of college settings and whatnot. And who knows, maybe eventually that turns into, okay, you're taking a break from coaching track, but now you are one of the assistant coaches in the strength room or something like that. That'd be cool. I don't know if I have time for that, but. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that would be cool. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. hey, they come around all the time. If I see one that's coming around locally, I'll let you know. And then it's a a good thing to have and you'll learn a lot, you know, and it, it looks good on the resume. Yep. Very true. I like it. Cool. Well, a couple more questions here for you. We, we've already, I can't believe how uh, it's 1243 already. Like, like uh, me and Miguel went for two hours earlier and now I can't believe how fast time flies on oh these right now. But um, uh, you've been talking it, a lot. <laughs> I have, I have, I've been talking since 9am <laughs> and I'm only on one fit aid somehow too. So I don't wow. know how that happens. It's now, impressive. In terms of your time in the barbell club, what has been uh, like your most memorable moment so far? Like something that really stands out to you. You're like, like, man, that really makes me happy, you know, in everything that I've done so far or in all my interactions with the club. 
Huh, that's a good question. Um, most, I think one of, some of the most memorable, I think have actually been over quarantine, but the few times that we've done like a Zoom workout, I think uh, stick in my memory pretty vividly because um, I had done so many workouts where it was just me trying to push myself in my own head. And then all of a sudden to have that team mentality back and the support and just like the joking around the camaraderie, it was such a, a good reminder of why I'm like still practicing and still doing the sport. Um, and then there were a couple of times where Bree and I would, would just FaceTime or not FaceTime, but like do a, a video chat, um, just to do our workouts together so that we could have that, um, that social socialization, the, I don't know, just to have fun with the workout instead of it being so intense the whole time. Yeah. Cause it, it can all of a sudden become like a little dark cloud above your head and a little extra intense that it's just you. And maybe you're putting all this pressure on yourself and we're just doing complexes or another EMOM or something. And it's something that if you were in the group, it'd be more lighthearted. And it's funny, you don't realize how much you miss it until it's back. Like, yes. I think before I went on vacation, uh, you guys, uh, you guys said I was like really amped up on that first workout back in our room. And yes. it's like, it's like, I was like, I was like tired before that coaching the CrossFit class and just doing stuff all day. And I was like, I feel like I just had like a pre-energy workout. Like for some <laughs> reason being back in that room was like, like amazing. Cause you yeah. know, I, I didn't realize how much I missed it until we were actually back in there. Like we were been yeah. doing barbell club, but for some reason doing barbell club in our room is different. <laughs> and with the new painted walls and the, I mean, they aren't super new, but the, the new boards on the floor, it's great. I know I we got those boards right before we had to close down and then we get, yep. didn't get any chance to enjoy them. And now everyone's lifting in parking lots and balconies and all kinds of other stuff. Yep. It just makes it feel more special, <laughs> more elite almost. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it does. It's, it's a, it makes it feel more like a quote unquote club, you know, it's, or in yep. our, our, our clubhouse. <laughs> now um, in terms of uh, the barbell club and being at the gym, what's one big takeaway that you've learned so far, whether it be coaching or movement or sport or strength or anything like that, what's one thing that you've learned that really stands out in your mind? Uh, just to have fun. I mean, that's kind of like a cliche type of um, answer, but it's something that can be very easy to do in any sport is to just get too much into your head and start like uh, getting hard on yourself, start um, kind of treating it as a chore. And that kind of happened a little bit also over quarantine is that I was treating the workout as a chore. Um, and instead switching your mentality to being like, oh, I get to go to the gym tonight. I get to go to Barwell Club. It's a, it's kind of like a reward at that point. And it, it puts your brain in a better um, starting mindset. And that, in my opinion, has helped me um, just have better workouts. So like there are some days where I'll, I'll pull up to the gym and, and I'm, I have no energy and I'm like, all right, I need to switch this. Otherwise my workout's going to suck. And I'm just going to be, feel bad about myself for the, like the next couple of days or something like that. And it's, it's helped a lot just doing that, that kind of uh, reinforcement of like, this is a privilege. This is something I get to do. And this is something I like to do. No, I think that's a great answer. I mean, that's, that's like uh, one of the number one goals in barbell club is just to have fun, you know, cause yep. I mean, we're not like, you guys aren't like paid athletes, you know, like, like, like we're all for the most part, you know, recreational lifters and 
we're just having fun being around each other and lifting heavy weights and going to a competition and seeing what we can do. And, and if you're not having fun, why do it? You know? Yep. Exactly. If you're not having fun and you're not getting paid, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. That's why you'll, you'll come in one day and I'll be talking about hippopotamuses or whatever else I'm <laughs> randomly talking about while we're warming up. And it's like, we're just all having fun, you know? Yep, exactly. Awesome. Well, Haley, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a, yeah, a, a lot of fun talking to you, learning more about your, your history and your past and also talking about coaching, you know, talking about coaching is so much fun. It's one of the yeah. favorite topics to talk about. So we'll have to get you back on to talk more about coaching in the future for sure. And yeah, get like a whole barbell club panel. We'll get a bunch of you guys on here and we'll let everyone listen to our just be awesome. banter back and forth of everyone saying whatever they're going to say. <laughs> uh, now, but before we go, um, is there anywhere that people can follow you? Anything that you want to promote or plug or anything like that, that you got going on? I mean, I'm on Instagram, but I don't post ever so i mean if people want to follow me it's haley th12 um i think the last time i posted was last year so okay Have fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and they can see some of your lifts on the albany crossfit barbell club page you know the, there's that going on there any any closing words you want to leave the listener with any words of wisdom or inspiration no. <laughs> uh i mean i feel like my last what i just said was so inspiring i can't i can't improve on that at all <laughs> there we go like just have fun <laughs> Have yep, fun exactly. listening to the podcast. Have fun lifting. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Haley, for coming on. Uh, for everyone listening, make sure you follow the Barbell Strikes Back on Instagram. Follow me, James A. McDermott. We'll be back again with another show shortly. Thank you so much for listening. Haley, thank you again. Until next time.